Hello and welcome to the Michigan Business Network. This is Media Business. I'm Tony Conley. We have a great guest to talk with about the media today. Someone who's probably as well-versed in the media and politics in the state of Michigan as anyone. And he's Bill Ballinger. I've known him for quite a while. He's with the Ballinger Report. Bill, how are you? I'm doing well, Tony. It's good to see you and hear you. Bill, it could take me forever to read your bio. Going back to your days in working as a representative, tell us what you've been doing all these great years. Tony, I don't think you want to bore your listeners hearing my life story. Let's just say I was once a state representative and a state senator, and later I was state racing commissioner, horse racing, director of licensing and regulation. I worked in the Ford administration in the old Department of Health, Education, and Welfare. I started a newsletter in 1987 called Inside Michigan Politics, kept that for 27 years, sold it. I do a lot of radio and TV. I do a lot of public speaking. I've now got a website, theballengerreport.com. So I'm ready to try and tackle any high, hard ones you throw at me, Tony. I'll do my best. All right. I want to go back a little bit. There's a couple of things I want to talk to you about because of your experience. So let's go back to your days as state representative. Tell us what it was like in regards to dealing with the media how the media was to work with, and how that went for you. There were problems between politicians and the news media, even back in the Paleolithic era, Tony, (laughs) in the late 60s and early 70s. In fact, it got so bad when I was in the state Senate that the Senate actually erected plastic shields to screen off the press on the Senate floor and put them up in the galleries as well. They claimed it was for security, but it really walled out the press so that they couldn't intermingle with legislators on the floor of the Senate. Uh, It wasn't much better over in the House. So, I mean, people who feel that the acrimony between politicians and the news media today is the worst it's ever been, actually, it was just as bad then. But, of course, it was a different kind of news media. These people were basically print journalists in conventional newspapers. There were some TV reporters who really covered the Capitol religiously day in and day out. People like Tom Green, Jim Harrington from Detroit. Those stations covered the legislature day in and day out. That's all gone. TV doesn't even cover the legislature anymore live day in and day out. It's all old news by the time it gets on TV. So that much has changed. What caused the hostility? What caused the media to react that way back in the day? I think some nasty stories that were (laughs) written by reporters uh, that may have been true, perished the thought. Uh, And obviously, uh, politicians can be very thin-skinned and they didn't like it. Uh, There was no one big scandal. It was during the Vietnam War, but that really didn't have anything to do with the Michigan legislature. So I just think it was a series of news stories that were written over time about various different members or things going on in the legislature. And the legislature got very sour on the news media and the kind of coverage they were getting, and they lashed back. Now, Eventually, both sides kind of 
called a truce and the Senate pulled back their plastic shield barriers off the floor and life continued on more or less normally up to the present day. From your perspective, why did TV stop covering the state legislature? They felt they were losing viewers. They felt that the public simply was not that interested in the day-in, day-out coverage by TV. That's what's happened to a lot of journalism coverage of politicians and state government. Gradually, Lansing bureaus have closed or lost business. There's no house press room anymore in the Capitol, which there always was for a century. The staffs and the bureaus of the major newspapers like the Detroit Free Press and Detroit News have been cut back dramatically. There was once a time when the Detroit News, believe it or not, had 13 reporters in their Lansing Bureau. Today, they have two. And that's been the situation for the last half dozen or so years. So the coverage of state government by the conventional old-fashioned news media, newspapers, TV station is drastically cut back from what it used to be. And people are getting their information if they want to get it online, live streaming, cable news, you know, social media, Facebook, Twitter. Twitter tweets and so forth. That's the way they're getting it. And the news media is kind of back on its heels. And I think they're still floundering and trying to figure it out. How do we get back in the game? How do we cover state government and politics the way we used to in the good old days? Well, and you think as much as I feel stupid now, because I'm one of the many citizens who probably don't follow what's going on in Lansing as much as I should, because I'm one of those millions of people that is complaining about this or that, and I I don't even know why I'm complaining. I think one of the problems is that the news media itself, to attract viewers and listeners, likes what you might call infotainment. Uh, They like sexy stories, like right now, the scandal involving former Speaker Lee Chatfield. That's dominating the news. It's not important policy discussion and articles and newscasts about very important problems in state government that ought to be getting a lot of attention. And so I think the news media has just kind of fallen into a trap set for them by social media. They've decided the only way we can compete with social media is to be like social media. And they're not doing the serious business of journalism covering, for instance, business as they should be. Now, they never covered business very well. The business community complained about the coverage of business a half a century ago. But guess what? It's gotten a lot worse. And uh, I can't think of any journalists in Lansing that are really specializing in business coverage and economics. In fact, if they are interested in that, They quit the main line newspapers like the Free Press and News, and they joined something like Crane's Business or, you know, maybe on a national level, the Wall Street Journal, some specialty publication that really does pay attention to business and economics. You just don't find that in journalism today in the state capital. 
We're talking with Bill Ballinger from the Ballinger Report. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the media in the state of Michigan, how they cover politics and business. I'm Tony Conley. You're listening to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to laughq.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. Welcome back to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Conley. We're talking with Bill Ballinger from the Ballinger Report. Bill, I wanted to uh, touch on something, uh, do a little bit of history here. When I first moved to Mount Clemens, Michigan as a kid. It was in the late 70s, and horse racing was booming in our state. And I know over the years, we've just had so many challenges with it to the point, I believe it's all gone. Take us back to its heyday and what happened to it. Well, I think a couple of things happened to it. The two big things that happened were the state lottery, which was approved by the voters of Michigan in a constitutional ballot proposal in 1972. And then the second thing that happened was casino gambling. Not only the Indian tribes, but the three Detroit casinos that were created by, again, a state referendum in 1996. Those two really dealt a death blow to horse racing in Michigan. When you moved to Mount Clemens, there were six tracks operating at that time in Michigan, both harness racing and thoroughbred of so-called flat racing, like the Kentucky Derby. Today, there is only one track left operating part-time, and that's Northville Downs. And there's some question about whether that's going to stay open any more than a year or two. Now, there are efforts in the legislature to try and revive it, but they're stuck on neutral right now, not going anywhere. And if something doesn't happen with a state government, I think, you know, horse racing may become absolutely extinct in Michigan. Bill, you mentioned that we in the news media love those stories. If it bleeds, it leads. We like scandals. Tell us what you know about what's been happening with uh, the former speaker. Well, I can't tell you anything new. I mean, the news seems to be dribbling out by the minute and more things are being revealed than we knew even yesterday or the day before. But this is a shocking development in the sense that I'll just tell you, and I've said this already uh, publicly, I actually think Lee Chatfield was arguably the best speaker (laughs) of the House that we've had in the 21st century in the last 20 years. I think he was the best. If not, he was right up there with the best. There haven't been many really great ones. Nobody's had a chance to be speaker for very long under the era of term limits. And to have these revelations come out now, I make you wonder, how could this possibly have been going on without people knowing about it? And it's not just a question of his 
alleged affair and admitted affair, apparently, with the woman who is now his brother's wife. It's a question of a lot of philandering by Lee Chatfield, who was elected to the legislature as a born-again Christian who knocked off a moderate Republican in a primary because the moderate Republican had shown some sympathy to LGBTQ rights back in 2014. And Chatfield basically ran against him on that basis, that we're not going to let this stand in northern Michigan. And Chatfield came out of a very conservative evangelical Christian community, a church and a school run by his father, who's a venerated figure in northern Michigan. And to have Chatfield revealed as, you know, a promiscuous, out-of-control sex maniac is almost the way it sounds. Is just kind of incredible. And if there was any uh, controversy with misuse of state funds or offices, that's still being investigated. We'll have to find out about that. Chatfield was thought to have a very bright political future. People were talking about him possibly running for governor or for something else just within the last few weeks. He was very charismatic in a very quiet, dignified way. He didn't have the kind of personality that would make you think he would be subject to any of the kind of salacious stories that have been revealed. And yet that seemingly is what happened. So, I mean, I don't think there's any question, regardless of whether he escapes prosecution or he's exonerated in a criminal sense or otherwise, it looks to me like his political career is doomed. Has the media been fair in this coverage? I think they have. I mean, if anything, you could argue that the media has been very slow to react. I mean, number one, if you had the kind of coverage of politics and government that I was describing earlier, they might have discovered this themselves long ago, maybe while he was speaker, because some of these incidents took place while he was speaker in the Capitol. And there was nothing from the news media. They knew nothing about it. One of the great mysteries to me is whether there were people, maybe members of the legislature who knew about a lot of this stuff and covered it up or looked the other way or suppressed it, whether this was kind of like scandalous behavior hiding in plain sight or, you know, whether this was a total unknown mystery to everybody as it appears to be right now until all of a sudden the story has come out. And so far, I think the news media has handled it pretty well. We're talking with Bill Ballinger from the Ballinger Report. I'm Tony Conley. This is Media Business. When we come back, we'll talk about how the media covers the governor. We'll also talk a little bit about how the media covers conservatives as well as liberals. You're listening to the Michigan Business Network. Stop staring at your phone and plan some fun this winter at Treetops Resort. Dog sledding, tubing, sleigh riding, indoor golfing, ice skating, swimming, racing, snowshoeing, cross-country skiing, scavenger hunting, juggling, or relaxing in the spa. That's just some of the fun you can have. And there's skiing, and snowboarding, and sleeping, and eating, and drinking, and eating and drinking while cross-country skiing. I think you get the point. Get outside. 
and have some fun or be boring. 888-TREETOPS or treetops.com. Welcome back to the Michigan Business Network. This is Media Business. I'm Tony Conley. We're talking with Bill Ballinger from the Ballinger Report. Bill, I wanted to ask you uh, in regards to the media. There is much discussion that when you talk about the media's coverage nationally, when it comes to conservatives, when it comes to liberals, that they far are more harsh and favor uh, being favorable to liberals and very harsh. And maybe this is the Trump effect with Republicans, with conservatives. Do you find the media performs that way here in the state of Michigan? I think to a far lesser extent than it does nationally. I agree with you that nationally there is a slant in most of the news media, with the exception of a few uh, channels or outlets that are more moderate or more conservative, but most of it is uh, slanted to the left. There have been numerous studies taken and polls trying to determine the political affiliation of news media personalities and reporters and journalists at the national level. And basically all of them has shown them to be overwhelmingly liberal and democratic, not Republican and conservative. Now, when an incident like this Chatfield incident happens, (laughs) all that does is add grist to the mill of journalists saying, you know what, how can the conservatives complain if they've got people like this performing in public office like this? It makes conservatives and Republicans look terrible. So, you know, it's not helping Republicans and conservatives who think they're not being covered fairly to have an incident like this come out. So, I mean, I think in the state, Tony, it isn't anywhere near as pronounced as it is at the national level. In my personal opinion, most of the reporters in Michigan are slanted to the left, but very mildly so. And they, kind of restrain themselves and try and keep it under wraps. You find out later on what their true affiliation is because many of them go off to work for Democratic politicians or they work for public relation firms that are very liberal. And so it's almost like an aha moment, like I thought all along, this reporter seemed to be a little skewed to the left and now this proves it. But I think it's pretty much under control here in Michigan. I think it's pretty balanced. It's not so much to me, Tony, a question of ideology. The problem with journalism, political journalism today in Michigan is the reporters are young. They don't stay very long covering, let's say, the state capitol. They move on to something else. They get out of journalism altogether. They join public relations firms. It used to be in the good old days, 50, 60, 80 years ago, if you were assigned to the state capitol bureau covering Michigan politics, that was the summit of your career. That was the promised land. You had worked your way up from the time you were a young man or woman to the point where you got that assignment. And most of these people never went anywhere else. But now it's totally the opposite. Most of the reporters covering the Capitol are brand new. They're just out of journalism school. They've had very little experience, and they don't stay long. They leave. They have no sense of history. They don't seem to have any historical context to anything they're writing about. 
Well, what I find a challenge with, and let's just stick to the local news here in Lansing. I'm someone who worked at WILX. I worked at the Lansing State Journal. When I see stories now, I don't see all sides of the story covered. I don't see quotes from both sides or all sides of the story. It makes me crazy. Well, I mean, I don't know which stories you're talking about, but look, I've observed the same thing. I'll be reading a story and I'll say, well, aren't they going to have a quote from this other side? And there's nothing there. And you think, what happened? Did it get cut or something? They didn't have enough space. I mean, or is the reporter biased and only kind of wants to present one side? Or did the editors change what the reporter, you just don't know. My problem is a lot of the stories leave out stuff. It's not even so much leaving out a particular point of view. It's they don't provide some of the context and essential information that make the story understandable. I'm looking for a few facts in a story and they just aren't there. And I'm thinking, why even write this story if you're not really going to tell the whole story and tell it in an intelligent way? Bill, I was uh, recently talking with Tom Gannett. We had him on the program. And when I asked him, when did journalism schools turn into liberal factories from the aspect of so many reporters, so many people in the media tend to be liberals. When I was at Michigan State, maybe I was just blind because I was more in sports than I was news, but I just didn't see it. And he told me it's been going on for decades and we really couldn't nail when this happened and why it happened. I think as you turn more and more to journalism schools that are housed in colleges, remember, And colleges and universities, Tony, increasingly over time have become more and more liberal and slanted toward the Democratic Party. And journalism is a part of that institution. You got to remember these old time reporters that I mentioned a few minutes ago, 80 years ago, 90 years ago, even 40 or 50 years ago, some of these guys didn't even go to college. They worked their way up through the school of hard knocks. They started out as courthouse reporters at a local level. They kind of learned through experience. They were not indoctrinated in a university or college that had an ideological slant to it, which seeped into the journalism school. And so they were totally different backgrounds and personalities, total different kind of experience than the people we get today who are being turned out of these journalism courses and programs in universities that are kind of like ipso facto liberal slash democratic. Okay, final question for you, Bill. From the national perspective, and I'm one of those idiots that I'll watch MSNBC, I'll watch CNN, I'll watch Fox, I'll read the Wall Street Journal, Detroit Free Press, uh, the news. I just like to get a sense of what's going on. Nationally, when it came to coverage of Governor Whitmer, It seemed that the conservative entities, Wall Street Journal, Fox, if you will, made note that when uh, the governor was in Florida unmasked or when her husband was going up north to his cottage, when we weren't allowed to do that, they reported that. But when Donald Trump tripped on a sidewalk, the other (laughs) side kind of was covered. You know, so from your perspective, how has the statewide and Detroit media covered the governor? Well, I think the media has tried to be fair and balanced uh, covering the governor, but I think you're right. 
there's one uh, factor here. You mentioned him at the very end that played into all this. It was Donald Trump. And once Donald Trump referred to Gretchen Whitmer as the woman from Michigan and the governor's people printed up T-shirts pointing to it as a badge of pride that she was being vilified by this hateful figure, according to the Democrats, Donald Trump, the game was on. The war was on. And it became just an us versus them scenario in news coverage. And so the media falls into the trap of basically reporting the horse race and the warfare going on in front of them and the charges being made by one side against the other, rather than covering real substance in terms of policy and what is the governor doing and why is she doing it and what is the context in which she's doing it, how she handled the budget, for instance, when she first came in her first year was something that had never happened in Michigan history. And the news media seemed to spend more time on the Republicans' reaction to that than they did to what did this really mean? Was it a good thing for Michigan? They just couldn't seem to focus on what it seems to me good journalism should focus on, the policy and put it in the context historically. How was this working? Was Whitmer right in what she did? Was the legislature right in the way they reacted or the way they fomented policy in the first place? They didn't do that. They keep talking about what she said, what they said, how she reacted to that, how they retorted. And again, it gets into a horse race and they seem to think that's all people want to hear and read and see. And I kind of beg to differ. I don't know about you, Tony, but I think people just get tired of this after a while. They yep. say, what good does this do? Where is this taking us? We've been talking with Bill Ballinger from the Ballinger Report. If you want to know what's going on politically in Lansing and, and throughout the state of Michigan, it's got to be one of your resources for information. Bill, I appreciate you so much. Thank you, sir. Tony, my pleasure entirely. You've been listening to Media Business. I'm Tony Conley, and this is the Michigan Business Network. Mm-hmm.